So what I'd like to look at this morning is, in fact, the will of God. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Our responsive reading was based upon that. And as he's writing to the church at Ephesus, he's writing to a, a, a brand new group of believers, brand new born-again believers. Ephesus is on the far western side of Turkey. It's right on the Aegean Sea. And Paul is writing to them while imprisonment in Rome. This is the first of what's called the prison epistles by Paul. His missionary journey to Ephesus occurred four to five years earlier than this. So it's only been four years plus since he's been there at Ephesus. And uh, what he's doing is writing to encourage them. Now, his missionary journey to Ephesus is recorded in Acts. I won't have you turn there, but in Acts chapter 19, you'll find it very fascinating if you look at that section. He taught the Word of God in a rabbinic Jewish college or university. It was the school of one Tyrannus. Imagine that. The headmaster's name was the tyrant. Just imagine going to that school if you think your school was bad. Uh, He taught there for three months, three long months. He taught um, in the city of Ephesus. Remember, this city was a pagan city, as bad as they come, as bad as they get. It was the, uh, the heart of pagan worship right there in Asia. Uh, they worshiped the fertility goddess Diana. They, this platform is still there, or good parts of the platform are still there. It's the largest pagan temple worship place in all of Asia. The, the footprint of it, 168 feet wide, 368 feet long, Columns six feet in diameter, 58 feet tall. A fertility goddess has to do with uh, immorality, uh, sexual activity. And uh, their priests, and uh, female priests as well, uh, were involved in all kinds of perversion, prostitution, homosexuality, uh, everything that went with that. That was the filthiness of this pagan temple right there, and it dominated all of Ephesus. It was a cesspool of fleshly gratification. I I can't emphasize that enough. Why? Well, because we think we have it bad. There they are in the midst of this group of people that was just a cesspool in what was going on in, in life. In Acts 19, in verse 18, it's recorded by Paul that many believed isn't that wonderful? Many, many people believed there at Ephesus during his uh, missionary stay there. But because they interfered with the sale of all the wickedness that went with the Temple Diana, the trade union, uh, probably trade union 666, had them expelled uh, from uh, the uh, area of Ephesus. And the disciples actually took him away. They were uh, feared for Paul's life. But I want you to remember, these people are new, born-again believers in Christ. Brand new Christians. They're babes in Christ. Their belly button isn't dry yet, spiritually speaking. They're just new believers. And now they're in the midst of this cesspool. Of course, they had some help there, and we're so thankful for that, as far as uh, being taught. But uh, they have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed the gospel. 
Now, without going into it all, you know very well, the gospel is Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Very, very important. He died for our sins. Why did Christ came, come? To die for sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes you. He came to die for you. You but I'm a good person. If you could earn your way to heaven, Christ came and died for nothing. You cannot earn your salvation. You don't deserve it, and you couldn't earn it. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. I'll quote a passage from Romans 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the beginning of knowing God's will, you're a born-again believer, you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, you realize you couldn't save yourself, you believed in his death, burial, and resurrection in your place. You've done all that. You've, you've, that's wonderful, and we're thankful for that. But to know God's will, that's not enough. It's not enough. First of all, you have to be born again to know God's will. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of truth. That's the beginning of knowing his will. He's not willing that all should perish, that any should perish. So to know God's will, we have to begin with being born again. And is that enough to go to heaven? Yes, it is. Praise the Lord for that. You're you're secure, you're set apart, uh, your, your salvation is in Christ Jesus, you're all set. Turn with me to Colossians for a minute. And I'm sorry, I, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So unfortunately, you're going to have to turn in the Bible. Oh, awful, awful thought. But turn in the Bible with me to Colossians chapter 2. See, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. Head, head with me. We're in Colossians. Look at chapter 2 and verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You you are part of the divine nature of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And notice, notice in verse 10, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You don't need to do anything else to get to the kingdom of heaven. You're complete in Christ. Amen! I'll say it. Isn't that wonderful? That's a wonderful, wonderful thought. However... Though you are complete in him, that is a position. You may not be complete in him positionally. How how can I say that? Head with me to chapter 4 for a moment. Head with me to chapter 4. And look at verse 12. Paul is saying Epaphras, who was one of Paul's helpers, he's there in Rome with Paul. Uh, He's not incarcerated, but he's there with Paul. Look at chapter 4 and verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greeteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. See, you're complete positionally in Christ because you've believed on him, but you may, may not be complete conditionally in Christ. There are things you'll need to do to be complete in your sanctification. That is your godly living. 
your conduct here on uh, this planet. So this two-step process, if I can put it that way, not for salvation, but for salvation and to complete the will of God. This process is you need to be controlled by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Once you believe, the Spirit of God came to dwell within you. You see that in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Once you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. It's, it's hard to fathom that as you have Christ dwelling in you via the Spirit of God, but it's true, but it's true. And as he dwells within you, that is the Spirit of God, he longs for your heart to direct you. He wants you to yield to him through his word. Now, how does that happen? Well, let's look at a couple passages just very quickly. Head with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. This was our responsive reading. Remember, Paul is writing to these Christians. He's no longer among them. Apollos is there for a while. Aquila and Priscilla as well. But they're only there for a while. Then they are back at Corinth. But realize that... Um, they're, they're kind of striking out now. They have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in the midst of a cesspool of pagan worship, a filthy, filthy conduct of people, and they need to live a Christian life. How do they do that? Well, notice what Paul warns. I'm reading from the King James Bible in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk or conduct yourself as children of light. That was your former manner of life. That's what you used to do. Now recognize that you need to live and walk with the Lord. There's a difference here. And we see that in verse 15. See then that you walk, my Bible says, circumspectly. Oh, a straight walk. A Christian walk. You've called yourself a Christian. You've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you need to conduct your life like a Christian would. Notice in verse 15, redeeming the time, literally buying the time up using the time that God has given you while you remain here on earth, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, wherefore, therefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, the word to be, don't be unwise, or the word foolish, it carries a, 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 a stronger thought there in the Greek. I don't want to use the word, but you know the word. I'll use it anyway. Don't be stupid. It's a crass word, isn't it? But that's what it's saying. Don't be stupid, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Understand. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How do I do that? It's easy for me to say that, but how do I do that? Head with me to Colossians for a moment, please. Colossians chapter 3. I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me. That's because I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't do it in my own accord. He did it because I believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm all set there. I, I know that. However, I want to know what God would have me to do. Well, the only way that can happen in my life is in Colossians 3, pick it up please, um, 
in verse 15. And let the peace of God, you want God's peace? Do you want God to settle you so that you're not all shook up by the world and all the circumstances, family matters, financial matters? You really want the will of God in your life, you need to recognize that you need to allow God's word to work through you and in you. We're in Colossians chapter 3 in uh, verse uh, 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts unto which you were called in one body and be thankful. He's talking about you're in the body of Christ, you're part of the body of Christ, the church, and so all that is, should be working in verse um, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching. So how do I have, how do I ascertain, how do I walk in the power of the will of God? How do I do that? It's by reading God's word and letting it dwell in you. The, rich, the word richly there is interesting. It's to be at home, to be settled. I, I love to travel. I've, I've been to Israel. I've been to a couple nations of the world. I've been over to uh, the Philippine Islands. I love to travel. I just love it. I love doing missionary-type work is what I was doing most of that time. So I love to do that, but I love to come home. I just love to come home. It doesn't matter. I'm away sometimes for a month. My poor wife, I leave her for a month to go and teach people in the Philippine Islands. I'm away, but I love to come home, first of all, because she's there, but secondly, that's where my comfort is, my comfort zone, right, right there at home. Well, you're to take that thinking aspect, you're in the world, you've got to work all day, you've got to function and be around people that some of them are nice, some of them aren't so nice at all. You have to do that, but once you get home, you're in your comfort zone, allow the word of God to be a comfort in you. Read the word of God. Let it dwell in you richly, the apostle saying. This is, look at verse 16 of the same uh, section again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. See? And then you can relate that to others. You can help others with that, family members, friends, whatever the case uh, um, may be. Listen, I know I know, I can see it going on in my own life. I know that physically and uh, mentally, uh, as far as cognitively, if, the, if that's even a word, I, I know that I will not be able to continue teaching as I once did. I, I know that. I can see it coming. Uh, even my peers have helped me with that decision unknowingly. I, I know that. But if I can leave anything with you, anything with you, is that you need to know God's word as far as his will is concerned for you. You can ruin your life. Are you saved? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, praise the Lord. You trusted Christ as Savior. But as far as a life of production for him, a life of honoring him, a life of walking in his word, you can destroy your own life without knowing the will of God. You must know the will of God for your life to conduct yourself according to his will in your life. So we want to look at that together. Now, this isn't you knowing God's will. I've had a lot of people tell me what I should do. Have you ever had that? Everyone knows what I, Bill Krosick, should do. Okay, thanks. 
Then I think, you can't even handle your own life, and you're telling me what to do. Not everyone who tells me what to do can't handle their own life. But you understand what I'm saying? This isn't for you to tell other people what to do or know what other people ought to do. This is for you to know what you need to do before the Lord. What is your job? What is your walk? What is your position before Christ? You need to know that for yourself. And so, we'll begin our journey together. We read... Uh, as far as concerning God's will is concerned, let me get on my right page here. Okay. Just for the next few minutes, and we don't have a long time together now, just, but just for the next few minutes together, how can I know the will of God? Well, there are some processes, but they work and all, they kind of gel together. So it's not one thing that will help me to determine God's will. It's all these processes working together. First of all, I'm saved. Okay, I'm saved. I'm walking with the Lord. That's great. How are you doing that? Well, it's by reading his word, by, by just ignoring that stuff out there, the worldly uh, stuff that's going on, and focusing on him. That, is, that doesn't mean I don't live out in this world. I live there. I go to the grocery store. I have an old lady yell at me for not wearing a mask. Uh, we have all that thing going on. All of us know that. So, uh, yes, I have to deal with that stuff, but that doesn't control my life, you see. That's not the important thing. That's secondary to my life before the Lord. And so I, I need to recognize that, and I need to realize it. Head with me, you're in Colossians. Head with me to chapter 1 and verse 9. In order to walk worthy of the Lord or to know his will, I need to realize Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9. Paul is writing to the church of Colossae, another prison epistle as he's there in Rome. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, what, their faith in Christ, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled, notice, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul is praying for these individuals that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wisdom is, is knowing God's word and doing it. Dr. Gene Fisher, back in the uh, late uh, 90s, actually early 90s, Dr. Gene Fisher was at a conference I was at. He has the most extensive Bible collection that I know of, perhaps in the world. He had, um, he brought in some million-dollar Bibles, King James Bibles, of course, the best Bible out there and everything. Well, he brought some in, and he set them up in our church, and... um, it was interesting because some of the kids, school kids came in, you know. And I saw one of the kids run over the Bible and he, he pulled it open and he tore a page. It's a million dollar Bible. Quick, hide this kid. <laughs> Change the page in the Bible. But he, he, brilliant man, he taught at Bob Jones University, one of the profs. He said, the most important thing in your life is to know God's will and do it. I'll never forget when he said that. And we know that we need knowledge. Knowledge is possession of a fact. You know something, all right, good. But wisdom is application of that fact. Because you know something, that doesn't mean you do it right. Because you know something doesn't mean you even do it. 
You know what you're supposed to do, and yet you choose to do something else, you see. So we need to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and the understanding here, spiritual understanding. How do I get spiritual understanding? Well, that's easy. You write a bunch of, you light a bunch of candles and you hum. You know. No. The only way to get spiritual understanding is by reading, meditating, and allowing God's word to work in your heart. That's the only way. It can't be any other way. In my lifetime of pastoral ministry, I would meet with people who had problems. And some of these people had real problems. Some of them were inflicted upon them. Others, they made themselves. But I would often, after a while, I would meet with these people and suck up all my time and, 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 and uh, away from my family and everything else. So after a while, I decided, listen, I'm going to give them homework. So when people would come and say, you know, I have this terrible problem, okay, so I would write out a series of things. His homework, I want you to read this and go through this. Almost 80%, and I'm not exaggerating, almost 80% of those people wouldn't do the homework. Forget it. Don't bother coming back. If you're not interested in God's word, I'm not interested in helping you. You say, well, that's awful, Bill. I know it, but it's part of my cognitive problem. <laughs> Listen, folks, without knowing the word of God, you'll never ascertain God's will. You never will. Don't even try. Don't even bother. You're wasting time unless you're in the Word of God. God's Word is your director. The Spirit of God using the Word of God will guide you into uh, the will of God. Now, why do I need to know the will of God? Well, you need that spiritual understanding to live in this present world. Head with me to Ephesians 6. We're back at the book of Ephesians 6 and verse 6. This talks about men working at their job, ladies working at their job. And he mentions that in verse um, 5, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. That is the, the guy you work for. Here it might have been even a slave type service as far as the Bible is concerned. But notice in verse uh, Verse 5 again, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. See, yes, you're working out there for that guy. He may be a nice guy and he may not be, but you're working out there for that person. But when you're working for him, you're really serving Christ. You see, Why? Because you're a Christian, you know. Okay, continue on. Not with eye service as men pleases, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. See, make sure that your heart is focused. I want to do God's will no matter what it is. I went from a, a company, I, I worked in a company in, it was Littleton, Massachusetts. My company used to send me to other companies to work for them to do special projects. Well, anyway, I was in Burlington, Massachusetts, and I mean, um, Littleton, Massachusetts. <coughs> My base company was in Burlington. And I, um, I was making parts for this company, and they were making parts for natural gas super tankers. At any rate, uh, I was making a lot of parts, and I had a guy that was working for me, working with me, who worked for that company. I was on loan. He worked for the company. And he would take my work and he would bring it down to where they were experimenting with these natural gas super tankers. It was fascinating to me. They, uh, 
I won't even get into the whole business. But anyway, I was making pots. One day, I ended up going down to that area where we were upstairs. They were down. Well, I went down to that area, and I saw a board there, and I saw his name there, and I even forgot his name. I probably wanted to forget it. But his name was here with all these parts he made, and here's my name up here with a couple parts. I'm thinking, what's going on here? He was taking all my credit, everything. He was telling them he did all those parts. I had no clue about doing it. See, sometimes you're going to work for people that are dastardly, terrible people. So what's your option? Live for the Lord. If you need to leave, then you leave, but you leave graciously. You leave uh, showing them that you're a Christian. Make sure that you're not one of those guys that's always at the throat of someone. You want to show them Christ in you. That's the will of God. Doing the will of God from your heart. You see? It's not because you have to. It's because you want to. Because God is leading. The Spirit of God is leading. And you have that peace of God that passes all understanding. Why? Because you know it's God's will for you to do that. Now, why should we know the will of God? Again, head with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Why should we know the will of God? Well, in Hebrews chapter 13, look at verses 20 and 21. Because I want to be perfected. I want to grow. I don't want to stay the same person I was before I got saved. I was a nasty, nasty person. I was no good. And I heard the word of God. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God was working in me, causing me to grow causing me to develop spiritually and with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh, That's why I want to know the will of God, so I can grow. And we see that in Hebrews 13, in verse 20. Now may the God of peace that brought again our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, he was a great shepherd through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You see, it's through the blood of Christ. Now I'm secure in that. Verse uh, 21, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Perfect you in every good work to do his will. I need to know the will of God so I'll know what to do. So I know what to do. Well, why do I need to know the will of God? Well, because there's enemies out there. Oh, I'm friendly with everyone. Then you're compromising. Then you're compromising. Everyone loves me, you think. You think. You're compromising. There's enemies out there to begin with. <coughs> be, be careful, Paul says. Peter says. <coughs> Excuse me. Be, be vigilant. Why? Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You have enemies out there. James said, Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have a spiritual enemy out there. Then there's false teachers. Peter warns, There were false teachers among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. What are they looking for? Your pocketbook. They want their fingers in your wallet. They want somehow to infiltrate you. They want somehow to to suck you into their thinking. We had a guy at the old Cornerstone Church when I was the pastor there. 
This was many years ago. He came in among us, and he, uh, he was the nicest guy in the world. He wanted to get involved in everything, and which, you know, you're a young passy, young flock. You want someone who's willing to do everything. After a while, he starts spreading information among the people, booklets and things, completely contrary to the world, word of God. So what did I do? I confronted him with it. So he called me a stinker. I don't know exactly what a stinker is, <clears throat> but all the way down the parking lot, he's calling me a stinker. Well, he left. Okay. So a year or so later, I met him at a grocery store. I don't remember which one, but I met him at a grocery It might have been Almax. Is that long ago? <clears throat> I met him at a grocery store, and he was standing there. He had on a, a black uniform with a white backwards collar. Hi. I said, hi, how are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. I said, what's with the getup? <laughs> I called it a getup. I'm sorry. I said, what's with the getup? He said, well, I don't really believe in this stuff. He says, but the people that I teach, they like it, so I do it. What? That's where his theology brought him. That's where his theology brought him. We need to be careful. There's false teachers out there that will do anything to pull you in. To get in your pocketbook, to get in your soul, to convert you to their way of thinking. That's not God's word. It's not God's word at all. We also need to know God's word. Why? Because of our ignorance. Because we are foolish and sometimes, yes, stupid. Because of our own ignorance. Head with me, please, to Jeremiah chapter 10. Stay away from me. I don't have COVID. I don't know what I have, though. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 10. In Jeremiah chapter 10. Look at verse 23 for a moment, please. <clears throat> Jeremiah is praying. If, if anyone had anything to complain about, it was this guy. Sent to uh, Judah. Sent there to, uh, to let the people of Judah know what God's word was. And they, God said, they're not going to listen to you. They're not even going to like you, actually but I'm giving you the strength to be there. And he prays. Jeremiah prays. And I'm just going to pull it out of context here, but it's part of the context. Verse 23, Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Thank you. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You see that? You... You couldn't figure out on your own what way you ought to go. You can't do it, spiritually speaking. I know some people have a plan for their life, and, and they actually seem to walk through that plan. They see, actually seem to do all right in their plan, but it's not a spiritual plan. You can't plan your own spiritual life. Only the Word of God can do that. Only the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, can do that in your life. Why is it necessary to know God's will? Because it brings blessing. It does. Paul said, I delight to do thy will. I'm sorry, David said, I delight to do thy will. It's a delight to be in the will of God and do it. It, it really is. And then secondly, because of our accountability, one day, one day, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat of Christ, and give account. So you want to know what God wants you to do so that accountability factor will be there when you meet before the Lord. To be certain, we know, we, 
uh, know the will of God, we need to make sure we filter everything through God's word. That's why it's so important you know God's word. Head with me to James, please, James chapter 4. <clears throat> the little epistle of James, earliest New Testament book written by James, uh, the half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, James chapter 4. James gives some information to these Jewish believers. Remember who he's talking to now, Jews. Jews, very interested in money. Why? God initiated that in them. God blessed them with these things, tremendously so. However, they turn that into sin. They turn this economy into sin. And James is letting the church know that should not be you. The world does that stuff. You ought to be different. And we pick it up in James chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Come now, you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue a year and buy and sell and get gain. they, they got a plan. they got a financial plan. A, a plan of commerce. They're going to go into a city. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to get this much money. And, and all that's fine. All that's fine. However, James says, you need to be careful, verse 14, whereas you know not what is on the next day. For what is your life? It's even a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes away. You see, you need to make sure you're focused on what God wants, not on what you want. You're, you're only here for a little while. Picking it up again in verse Uh, 15, for you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do that, do this or do that. It's not this fatalistic in Arabic used a lot by Islam. Inshallah, if God God wills. That's that's kind of, it's a fatalistic term. You you ever hear him use it? Inshallah, if God wills, if God wills. No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is rather a seeking for God's direction. Not if he wills, it's so what? One way or the other, if if God wills. No, no. I want God's direction in his will. So if you want to go into a city and, and get great gain, that's fine. But you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And so all of us need to recognize that we need to make sure that we are looking for God's will. Now, just very quickly, I'm going to run through something with you. As a young Christian, I would want something, even to the, even to the uh, thought, as a young man, even to the thought of, I needed this very badly. Young guys, you know what I'm talking about? You get your focus, I need this. And you begin the process of making the wheels turn. How can I get it? But as a young Christian, I knew something about uh, the will of the Lord. Something, not a lot, but I knew something about the will of the Lord. So uh, I would pray. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? To pray, yeah. And here's my prayer. Sort of my prayer. And of course, I would pray in the King James English. (laughs) Lord, if thou wilt that I have this thing that I've been lusting after, no, that I want or need, then it will be on sale when I get there. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good prayer, don't you? I do. I, do. I, think, I think that was a good prayer. Guess what? I get there and there's one on sale. Praise the Lord! <laughs> a miracle took place, you know. Listen, I answered my own prayer. I schemed around it. I knew what I wanted. 
and I knew a way to get it. Is that you and God's will? Let me ask you this question. Only you can answer this. Only you can answer for yourself. Do you seek God's will in your purchases? Or do you assume because Amazon has it, it's God's will for you to get it? Huh? You have to answer that. I can't. I can't answer that for you. Remember, the Lord knows the secrets of your heart. In the book of James, I won't have you turn there, and James, uh, we read, you seek and desire to have, yet you do not obtain. Why? Because you just want to consume it upon your own lusts. That's it. If we press for something, if we press, I want it, I want it. If we press for something, and it's contrary to God's will, did you know he may give it to you? Head with me to the 106th Psalm for a moment. Psalms 106. It's talking about God, his destruction of the world, and then his bringing the world into existence. Nancy and I were watching the National Geographic Channel. You ever see the National some of it's very interesting, some of it's satanically devised. Billions of years. You have to put it in the billions of years, or, or it doesn't work out for your numbers. But at anyway, God, remember after the destruction of the earth, the flood, he pulled up the mountains, the scriptures tell us. That's what we know about uh, all the mountain ranges of the world. He set the sea where it was going to stay, and it will stay there forever. And, and you know, all that, that business. But what about Israel? What about Israel? God told them about this. He showed them all this in verse 13 of the 106th Psalm. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, that is for his will. But they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. God had given them manna, the perfect food, to sustain them. And after a while, they hated it. And what did they want? They wanted meat. And God let them know, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And they lusted for it. And notice in verse 15, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul. If you lust after something, if you go for it, if you go for it, God could give it to you in the form of chastening. Remember, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. If you want something bad enough and you go hard enough for it, God could end up giving it to you, allowing you to get it, and it will bring a certain amount of emaciation. The word leanness has to do with emaciation, famish, to wax thin, not physically, but spiritually, to wax thin. Why? Because you went against God so many times. We need to be careful about that. Remember, God not only knows what will happen, the end from the beginning, but he knows what could have happened. Head with me to Jeremiah again, Jeremiah 23. God talking about the false prophets in Judah, the southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin. In Jeremiah chapter 23, look with me at verse 21. Talking about these false prophets that are telling people, don't worry, I, it doesn't matter what Jeremiah says, I know God, I know God, and God would never allow this to happen. And we're in Jeremiah 23, look at verse 21. I have not sent these prophets. And there's a lot of them out there today that think God sent them, and he didn't. He didn't do it. Why? They, they teach contrary to the will of God. 
Doesn't matter who they are, what television station they're on, how big their arenas are. None of that matters. If they're not teaching the word of God, they weren't sent by God. Okay? I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesy. They, 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 I know God's will. I know it. And let, no one else knows this, but let me tell you, God spoke to me last night. Did you ever hear something like that? Shut it off, turn it off, run away. I don't care what. God spoke to him. As if the rest of us can't hear it, you know. Pick it up again in verse 22. But if, notice, if, but if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from the evil way and from the evil of their doing. See, these people were false prophets, but if they had taught the word of God, Israel might have turned if Israel listened. So God not only knows what will happen, he knows what could have happened. And in your life, in your life, God knows what could happen in your life if you'd only submit to his word and his will. But that doesn't mean that's how it's going to work out. You may choose another path, you see. We need to choose to do the will of God. We need to choose to follow him. That's not an option. It's not an option at all. Okay, so I need to run through this. I only have a few minutes together. Let me race through it and see where we end up. First of all, some aspects of God's word, will, has been shown. It has been shown. It's there. You don't never have to ask about it. It's right there. And I'll, I won't have you turn to these. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God, <coughs> even your spiritual walks, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, pornea. Abstain from illicit, immoral sexual sins outside of the marriage bonds. That's the will of God. Anything you do other than that is wrong. You don't have to ask God about it. What you look at, what you read, what you allow your mind to dwell on, all that is sinfulness, and it's against God's will. You need to clean up your mind. How do you clean up your mind? By taking heed unto his word. That's how it works. Thanksgiving, this is interesting, in Thanksgiving, 2 Peter 2.15, for so is the will of God. No, let me, let me correct that. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks. Thank God for his provision. Say, well, I don't have a lot. Then thank God for what you have. Thank God for, for what he's done, how he works in your own life. Thank God. In doing right. For this is the will of God, 1 Peter 2.15, that in well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I've been with foolish men my whole life. Have you? I have. I was one of them once. You know, I, I knew everything. Then I got saved. I thought, man, I don't know much. It's better to be a little quiet than open your mouth and remove all doubt, right? So I, I, that's from the Proverbs. So I, I, I learned some things. But we can put to silence the ignorance of foolish men by what? By doing the will of God. You don't have to say anything. Just follow the Lord. Say, well, that guy hated me and he still hates me. So what? So what? You just want to do the will of God. Make sure that you're obeying the word of God. Even in physical suffering, I know we all think we're going through a lot of things and 
and some of us perhaps are, and so I'm not to diminish that at all. But recognize, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him uh, in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Even in suffering, you can thank God, submit yourself to the will of God for what he's done in your life. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it will go away. What it means is you're just trusting God in the whole business. Okay, some principles very quickly for discerning the will of God. First of all, I must be willing to do God's will no matter what it is. In John 7, 17, if any man will do his will, if any man will determine to do God's choice, have you determined to do God's choice? Well, if I do that, it will stifle my lifestyle. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. It might not be God's choice. And remember, remember there could come some consequences with that. Well, I thought it was good for me. Have you ever made an investment in something, financial investment? I have. The word stupid comes to mind. Why? I thought, well, this is a good idea. Whose idea was it? It's mine. Huh? We need to be careful. We need to be careful. Remember, God's word is the final authority on everything. He's given us his word, 2 Timothy 3.16. The scriptures are given us to us for what? Conviction, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That's why we have God's word, see? So we won't fall prey to this. If a Bible verse stands in the way of something you're going to do, if you're going along and the Spirit of God speaks to your inner soul and says, but God's word says this, and you want to do this. You ever had that happen? No? That means you're not walking in the Spirit if you don't even have it. But you're thinking through this, and all of a sudden God's Word reminds you of a Bible passage. If a Bible passage stands in your way, you're headed in the wrong direction. You're headed in the wrong direction. Secondly, I must pray and ask God to guide me. That sounds simple, but a lot of people don't. They don't pray about anything. No, just, I'm going to get it. It's on Amazon. Whoa, God's will. I have the money. That doesn't mean you should get it. Doesn't. Remember, financial gain can be the beginning of the end for you. It can be. That could be a path that leads to your destruction. I have money. Yeah, but look what the mess you're in. A.K.A. Putin, right? Think about that. Think about the mess that's going on. Why? It's all for financial greed and gain. All of it. And we're not exempt from that, by the way. Well, how do we ask? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth liberally. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For the man that doesn't ask in faith is like the, the waves of the sea, thrown around, tossed around, and destroyed eventually. I need to stop here. I'm out of time. But the will of God is uh, a vast subject. And if I can just encourage you to, to look at some of these, you get your own materials well. This is wonderful. I, I really love it. Uh, but uh, before you make decisions, make sure that God is part of the decision-making. And it's not you. Why? Because your flesh can go after some mighty, terrible things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for my brethren here this morning. I pray, Father, for some 
some little goad that will enter a mind here today who's thinking about things that are contrary to your word, who are thinking about some things that will consume upon the lust of their flesh, who, who can become bound with the cords of their own sin. I pray, Father, you'd help all of us to look to your word through your spirit to know exactly what you would have us to do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.